That's a good word. Come on. Come on. There are drains. Did you mention there are drains in the floor? Did you mention that? I'm, I'm up here kind of having my glory spell, and I, I missed half what you're saying. There are drains in the floor that are covered up. This, this, this tile right here, I don't know if I can get it up now. There's a, there's a drain under it that we've already... already. This used to be um, a print shop, and there was, I don't know why they had to have drains. I don't know if they actually hosed down their equipment. I don't have no idea. But there's another drain over here. There's places in the floor that are drains. How many of you know sometimes our lives are full of drains that drain away, siphon off the gift and the glory of God in our lives? And they're often they're hidden under the surface. We don't even know they're there. And we wake up tomorrow wondering why what he gave us yesterday is gone. God's about to fill in some drains in your life. Come on. See, that's now, the OCD part of me now is like, get that thing straight. So it's like, but you're coming up in Jesus' name. Be filled in. Every valley, come on. I've been, he has had me camped out in Isaiah. Every valley is going to be filled in. Every mountain is brought low. Why? Because he's making straight the highway of our God into our lives and into the lives around us. Listen, if you and I can't hold what he gives us, then we don't have what he has given us to give to someone else. It's not always, in Christianity, we've kind of made this all about what God wants to do through us. And I love the fact that we get to partner with him. I'm not suggesting that it's only about what God wants to do through you, but it is also about what he wants to do through you. If we're leaking so bad that we don't have enough for ourselves tomorrow, guess what we don't have for the person he sent us in the world for? We don't have what they need. Come on. Just hear chains. There are chains that are coming off this morning. Some of you in the spirit, I see a, I see a vision of uh, King Kong. You know, the, they've got a new movie out of another. I mean, it's like, it seems like every 10 years there's another movie about King Kong, right? Can't remember the other one. There's something about Skull Island. Skull and, I don't know. Anyway, who knows? King Kong, right? Whoa. I see this vision of King Kong, and some of you are, are, feel like, and you know that you're called to largeness. You're called to something bigger than you've experienced. You're called to something bigger than the world wants to accept out of you, but you still feel like King Kong wrapped in those big chains. I want to tell you this morning, God is about to break you loose. You King Kong, you. Come on. Come on. Somebody ought to... Oh. Come on. It's so important for us to be able to have the eyes to see what God is doing in the season we're living in. It's so valuable for us to have ears to hear what God is actually saying. It's important that we have a heart that's sensitive. What did John the Revelator say? The, the Spirit said to John the Revelator, he said, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The, the Issachar anointing was on a people group in Israel who had a unique anointing to discern what God was doing and the season of time they were living in. Why? Because if we understand what season we're living in, but we don't know what God's doing, we're helpless. But if we know what season we're living in and we know what God is doing, guess what we can do? We can marry an agreement on earth with what is in heaven. And what is Jesus looking for? He's looking for agreement. This is not the message, but it's good. (laughs) Ah, But I just hear chains 
uh, rattling and coming off, and I see some King Kong-ish believers getting ready to bust out and be the largeness that's on the inside that you felt all along. Come on. I mean, in a natural kick, you tell these muscles are busting out of this coat. I mean, I'm bigger than this thing. And we feel that way sometimes. We're living in our lives, and we know that on the inside, there's more to us than this. Come on. And I want to tell you that I agree with you. And Holy Spirit of God agrees with you. That there's more on you on the inside than what you have ever experienced. So it's, it's okay if you feel a little King Kong-ish in the morning. <sighs> That's where you get your declarations of I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <sighs> I am the first and not the last. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the head and not the <clears throat> tail. Come on. King Kong, he's, he's kind of king. It's okay for you to get all... Get all uh, Get all uh, full of yourself when you're full of him. The only danger of being full of yourself is when you're not full of him. How many of you think it might take a few King Kongs in the spirit to crush this old junk that's gone in our country right now? The battle between this ideology and that ideology. Come on. It's okay for you to be King Kong. God needs a few good men and a few good women. Again, for the spiritual boot camp. <sighs> Heart is so full. Uh, anybody notice we have a whiteboard this morning? I'm not really sure what we're going to do with it, but I just had a feeling that I might want to put it up there. So, yes, I do have a, I have some idea what we might do with it. Some idea. I think I'm going to use those pretty colorful markers. My problem is, my wife, it's awesome. Don't ever, listen, this is between you and I. It's our secret. Dawn's not here. If I hold these and go like this, you won't be bothered or annoyed, right? Because she's annoyed. Every time I teach with marker, she goes, would you set those down, please? I like the colors. See? I like the colors. All right, we better pray before we get too unwrapped here. Father, thank you for the glory of your kingdom that's coming on this planet. Thank you that the book of Revelation ends with a kingdom that is witnessed by a city called Jerusalem. It's not a natural city. It's not the Old Testament Jerusalem. It's not the Old Covenant city. You bless that. You love that. There's prophetic words about that. But that, that this city in Revelation is not that city. This city is the firstborn, the beloved of God, the church that the Lamb has purchased. We thank you for the city of Jerusalem. We thank you that heaven is coming to earth. We thank you that your glory is not, heaven is not able to contain your glory. Your glory is like a floodwater building behind the, the dam. And there is coming a day when heaven will no longer be able to hold the fullness of your glory because your heart is not just to live in heaven, not just to have an expression of who you are out of heaven itself, but into the earth and to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That day is coming. So we get the privilege of standing up on the inside like King Kongs. We get the privilege of arising and shining because our light has actually already come on the inside of us. 
we have the prophetic glimpse of that day living on the inside of us. We've been bought with a price and we've been made alive in Jesus. We thank you for an awareness and I ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you this morning. I pray that through the pages of your word, life would come into our being. I pray for change to be broken. I pray, I thank you, Father, that there is no metal on earth that stands a chance when you say, be free. (sighs) Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I thank you for chains melting in your presence this morning. I thank you for minds being renewed. I thank you for us getting a glimpse of who we actually could be having the hope and the next step is faith to believe that we will be. Thank you for making us world changers. Now give us the grace to change ourselves. Whew, there's, a, there's a Holy Ghost prayer in there. Right there. Thank you for making us world changers. Give us the grace now to change ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I am really going to try to do my wife proud. I'm going to set all those down but one. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at the first two verses. These are very, uh, very familiar verses, very familiar passages, I'm sure. It's one that a lot of us have memorized and put to our hearts. Uh, by the way, I want to welcome those who are joining us live streaming Uh, This morning, we're just grateful for your heart to follow Jesus and to be with us as well. We're believing for your breakthrough. We're believing for the kingdom of God coming into your life. We're believing that the the gorilla on the inside of you, you're going to actually have the sanction of heaven to stand up and be who God's made you to be. The kingdom of God needs you too. Thank you for joining us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, I'm reading out of the New King James... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the way, we don't have power on ourselves, in ourselves, or by ourselves to change ourselves. But by the mercy of God, we've got some power going on. It is the mercy of God, and we revel in the mercy and the grace of God. But if we stop there, then the the revelation is incomplete. Because the mercy and grace of God was given unto us, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, lest, not of works, lest any man should boast. It goes on in verse 10, it said, For you were created as, as the workmanship of God, created for good works that were created for you to live in from eternity past out of the heart of Father. You and I were saved by grace, mercy, and through faith. But those free commodities translate into natural realm reality, that we have the power to do good works for the king. So by the mercies of God, we're being beseeched by Paul that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do you know when when our lives begin to reflect who we actually are on the inside? Let me break that down for, for a moment. Let's just take that thought. When our lives on the outside begin to actually reflect who we are on the inside, there's a congruency between the message and the messenger. I feel such a prophetic anointing this morning. I don't know, Tim. It's going to be really good. You just need to go with it. 
when our lives on the outside begin to line up with what God has put on the inside of us, there's a congruency between the message in our mouth and the life that we live. And now there's a credibility because of the congruency of what's on the inside and now on the outside that now the world, when they hear us, they take us serious. So Paul's saying, I want you to know, church, there's more than just the freebie of grace. Grace is amazing and it's free and it sets us up so that we can on a daily basis receive that free empowerment of God that comes only by the mercy of God. But with that power comes responsibility. I love uh, Jim Jim and I, we have, I just, it's been a break and this building is amazing, but how many of you know the pastor is going to celebrate when the carpet gets in? We, we have a lot of folks have spent a lot of hours here, and me included. I, I, and one of the things that has suffered is the rela- relational things that I, I hold so dear. Jim and I have not had an opportunity over the several months to be meeting. We usually meet twice, twice a month, usually. But I'm so looking forward to get back into those times. One of the things he said at one of those Tuesday morning meetings, meetings, relational times, Papa Son times, right? He was sharing with me a revelation that the Lord gave him that our responsibility that sometimes in grace we, 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 we want to hold at arm's length because we don't want to be entangled in the law again. So we hold responsibility, our Christian responsibility, to live beseeched by Paul and the Holy Spirit as living sacrifices. We, we're, we don't know what to do with that, so we hold it out this way. But we, we misunderstand responsibility. Our responsibility is simply just our response to his ability. We can respond to his grace, which is ability. His grace is a power. It's not just a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. His grace is an empowerment that enables us, back to the original statement, to begin to live out on the outside what he's already accomplished on the inside. All right, before I get too, too far ahead of myself, I'm going to write a couple words on the board here. Uh, hope, hopefully you'll be able to see these. Conform, transform. Conform, transform. Two words in verse 2 of chapter 12 in Romans. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when we go through this process, partnering with the ability of God and our response partners with the ability of God our lives begin to line up on the outside with what he's already done on the inside. We'll read a couple of verses to substantiate this as we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. New creature on the inside, right? It's already done. Done deal. Old thing has already been passed away. You ain't carrying that dead old thing anymore. Oh, you may be carrying it, but it's dead. You are actually, you should be in a zombie movie. Because you're carrying the zombie of your old self around when he's already dead. When we live up to, on the outside, what he has put on the inside, the end of verse 2 is our experience. We begin to prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. How will those around us see truth in us unless we're proving what the will of God is? It's good and acceptable. 
We're not proving because we have to. The law says we've got to. We're not proving because we feel guilty. We're not proving because of any of those Old Testament performance grid things anymore. Now we've been changed on the inside, and now I want to look like my daddy. I want the world to see the love that I've been so ravished by on the inside. And if I can't wrestle this old nature groove, because the old nature's dead, but the groove that it's left behind in me, if I can't wrestle that thing to the ground under the power of the Spirit and put it in a headlock and finally kill that thing, if I can't do that, then I am unable to prove to the world around me the acceptable will of God. Because it's no wonder the world looks around and they start blaming God for things like acts of God. You know, the tornadoes that come and kill five people in a trailer park. You know, the flooding that's going on right now in Houston, Texas. We call them acts of God. We, it's no wonder that we, we, the world has learned to blame God for things that are not His responsibility because we've not shown Him what are His responsibilities. We've not shown, him the, per, we've not shown the world the perfect will of God because we're not, we're not able to live it because we haven't tapped into the power of repentance. We're going to talk about repentance this morning. We want to talk about how do, we, how, do we, how do we not be conformed to the world, but in process, see, you and I looking like God is not just resisting the world, but it's embracing the new, new man on the inside of us. You can resist the devil all you want. He'll flee, but that doesn't mean you look like Jesus. It might mean your day goes a little better. But oftentimes when our day goes a little better, we let up. What is it? When the people cast off re- restraint, they lack vision. They let, when people lack vision, they cast off restraint. And oftentimes, the Lord knows this about us, we give up, we let up in our pursuit when things are just going our way. I'm not suggesting God's going to put stuff in our lives so that we keep our pedal to the metal all the time. I am suggesting there's a human nature in all of us that when things are going well we tend to let up and just kind of coast a little being like him requires us not being conformed to the world but also being transformed so we're going to talk to you about these two words so this word conform is based in a greek word schema the greek word schema actually means an external, we get the word schematic, schema. It's a schematic. It's a construct word. I'm all, I'll, I'll just, this is a construct word, con. This is an instruct word. The difference between what comes from the outside and around as a plan would come around a building project like we've just gone through here. We started out with plans, where we wanted the walls to go. How, how things are going to look around here. We start with those plans and then we construct what we want to construct around the, the schema of a plan. That's the word conform. This word is always... I'm going to change because I just like a different... Let's just do a different color here. This is always... Oh, you may not be able to see that color, huh? You probably won't be able to see that color. Let's do a darker color. This word is... Outside, in. What Paul's saying here is you, as a believer, need to be careful not to let the schema of the world construct in you. 
What's that look like? See, I, I, I can't do it. I already have three in my hand. I just can't, I can't do it. I'm going to lay them down. We, 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 we're being warned by Paul that there is a schema that the enemy has. There's a scheme. Paul said, be, be aware of the wiles, the schema, the schemes of the enemy. What's he trying to do? He's trying to build you to look like his kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. So there's a schema of the world. There's a system that we're living in that is not righteous. Listen, I, we talked about it a little bit last week. We talked about being world changers against the backdrop of, of all the junk that just happened in Charlottesville. I want to tell you, it, is, it makes me sick to my stomach when I'm around anybody that thinks they're better than anybody else. I don't care if you're black, brown, brown, green, yellow, or white. I don't really care what color you are. It makes me sick to my stomach when someone thinks they're better than someone. Because we were all created by the same Father with the same image of God. Therefore, we have the same value. Come on. But it also makes me sick. When others parade around and think they have the right to carry unforgiveness in their heart and use it as a tool for revenge. That's not righteous either. Don't be carrying clubs as an anti-protest. I know, I'll probably get some email. Thank you, Facebook. But what we have to know is that the enemy is trying to conform us. He's trying to, he's got a schema and he's trying to work from the outside in to cause us to look like his kingdom. And before we know it, I, I tell you, Facebook has its benefits, but there are, I was watching a post last night, had about 10, 10 posts on it, and I, I, could, I just, I had to turn my phone off. It makes me sit, the apostolic in me fights for truth. I want to set foundation in people. I want to find out what's really bedrock. And what's bedrock is not revenge. What's bedrock is not white supremacy. Me better than anybody else. What's bedrock is truth. And truth is me not being conformed to the schema of this world. We get so blinded and we don't even know it. We're the believers on the planet. And we've got no answers. And we're so divided. And, and this post that has all these threads are all all my, my, brown, my, my brown brothers and sisters. And they're saying, yeah, he's got that right, and boy, he told her that. And this post has all my white brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah, boy, they missed it. There's a hole in that. Are you kidding me? Somebody needs to wake up and understand we've been conformed to the schema of the world. Because that junk on either side isn't going to solve the problem. We need to be not conformed. We've got to wake up and not be conformed from the outside in. We need to learn how to be transformed. This is a word about being instructed. It's the difference between constructing something, me taking my hands with my vision in my head and being able to build something, and me being able to instruct. When I'm instructing, the word instruct literally means to to, to put structure into someone. That's what instruction means, to put something into someone. The enemy, all he has power to do is squeeze you from the outside. But what the treasure of the gospel is, is that God didn't squeeze you from the outside. <laughs> I want to tell you, he could have squeezed you like, the, like the, the Goliath that he is compared to our gnat status. Come on, I got a little, ever since I had my roof redone this summer, uh, I've got a slit, a cut in my, one of my screens, 
And it's the one that I typically open. It's right by my easy chair. You know, guys, come on. You know, your easy chair is your home. It's, your, it's like, it's where, it's where Kong lives. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, this is Kong territory right here. And man, when it's hot, I just like to reach over and... So I, I now have to retrain my brain until I fix that screen because there, there's a slit, there's a cut in that screen. And now I've got all these little gnats flying around me in my easy chair when, when Kong's resting at home. Right? Kong's taking a little breather from his, from, his, from his reigning and ruling in Kongville. Right? And you get these little gnats. They're, going, they're flying around. And all of a sudden, I mean, last night I'm, sw- I'm swatting at this, this little gnat. This little was bothering the world out of me. Swatting at things. Okay? The enemy tries to conform you by pressure. And he brings things to bear around you that you may not understand. And because you don't understand, maybe you're not processing them right. And maybe you're letting them shape you without you really knowing that they're shaping you. And all of a sudden, the church, half the church, two-thirds of the church, three-quarters of the church looks more like the world. and has no solutions. But God doesn't do that. He's so much bigger than we are. And we, like a little gnat to his greatness, he could just swat us and squish us and say, you're going to be like me. He could have done that any way he wanted. But he didn't choose to do that. He's not like the enemy. He came and he, he, he gave us his very best in his son. And he put something on the inside of us. He didn't, he's not pressuring us from heaven. I love it. That's why the law doesn't work. The law is an external construct. The law cannot conform you into God's image. It's outside in. But when we get a revelation, turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians. We've we got to read some verses here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see this with your eyes. It's a, again, another favorite verse. A lot of us have memorized this, but indulge me. Read it. Look at it with your eyes. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come, become new. Now, this verse used to mess with me because I've been, saved for, I've, I've, been, I've been saved for longer than I've been alive, I think, because I'm really not as old as you think I am. I've been, I've been saved for a few years. I've been walking with Jesus a long time. I'm 51. I got saved when I was nine years old. I've been walking with Jesus for 42, one, I don't know, somewhere around there. Years. I'm old. I'm old. This verse used to mess with me because I could look around in my life in any given day and I could identify things that didn't look so new. I could identify things in my life that I was, places I was still stuck. Sins that were still so easily besetting me. And that thing the enemy used to pressure me into thinking thoughts like this, well, well maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I, I, do I really have the real deal? I mean, it says in here I'm supposed to be new. It says in here I'm a new creation and old things are gone. And if my old things aren't gone, then maybe I'm not really a new creation. Maybe I've missed it. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably totally different than you all. You all are just like, you're King Kong, so you don't ever think those thoughts. 
But the enemy used that verse to, to twist on the inside of me and put in these hesitations and these, these caveats. And, well, if, if I am a new, maybe, maybe it just proves what I've thought about myself. Here's the self-defeating thinking that we go through. Maybe, not you, me. Maybe, maybe, maybe this just proves what I've thought about myself all along, that I'm really not as good as everyone else. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the problem in the room. I know some of you struggle with that. You're the ick. That's why nothing works around, out around you, because you know it's you. You're, you're the one. You walk in the room, you bring the problem. It's you. And we let the enemy twist the words of God without understanding and revelation because we, we don't realize that we have already been conformed to his thinking. But God wants us to get out of those chains, not to be conformed to his thinking, but become transformed. And when we understand the reality of this verse, the inside in my heart has been completely made new. God's not pressuring me from the outside in. God puts something on the inside so that when he comes in encounter and reveals an aspect of his nature, guess what I have on the inside of me? The same aspect of his nature. Because Peter tells me through the great and precious promises, I've become a partaker of the divine nature. So now, this new man that's on the inside of me, this is how transformation works. Let me help you out. <laughs> Let me tell you how this thing works. Get your mind unconformed to the world so you can get transformed. I want you to be free. I want you to know how to prove the acceptable and good will of God so that this world will sit, stand up and take notice of the message in your mouth. Here's how transformation works. When the deposit of the new man on the inside of me recognizes the revelation that comes from an encounter with God that shows me outside of me who God is, now I've got two things that match. What's God looking for in the earth again? Agreement. What did he say? Where two or three are gathered? Where, and then another place he said, where two or three agree as touching anything? What did he say about that? He's going to do it. There's, there's no chance in hell it ain't happening. Sorry for the descriptive language. Come on. Let's get our mind to the conformed status. Let's understand that what Jesus has done for us is he deposited on the inside of me a brand new nature. And now, when I have an encounter with God, I'll, I'll do, in just a few moments, we're going to unfold this whole process so you get to see the whole thing. When I have an encounter with God, because that's where real transformation is triggered, right? it's not on my effort, it's not on, not on my working, my, my, what I do never changes me, it's who, what I think that changes me. When I con am confronted with who God is, and in, a, in a revelational encounter, the deposit of the new man in me steps up to the plate and goes, I recognize that. That same DNA has been put inside of me. And when that happens, there's agreement on heaven and on earth for my transformation. Without an agreement, we will always have an incongruent thought. We will always believe that we're the ick and God really, I mean, we're just probably beyond God's repair. But we've got to, first of all, how do we get trans transformed? First thing is we've got to believe. Let me get to the notes here. We've got to recognize that the inside job has already been finished. You've already been made brand new. Don't, let, don't get confused. Oh, well, if I was new on the inside, then I might new, be new on the outside. Yeah, go ahead and agree with the, the words of the enemy, and you'll, be, you'll live your life in confusion, and you'll relegate yourself to less than anything God has ever planned for you. Go ahead, and, go ahead and agree with that if you'd like to. 
The truth is he made you new on the inside so that now there's a foothold of heaven already on the inside of you to agree with him when he shows up and shows you who he really is and gives you an opportunity to agree. And in that agreement, there is a power release from heaven for you to be like what you see. <laughs> this, is, this is real stuff. I'm helping somebody today because I wore my yellow jacket. And every time I wear my yellow jacket, somebody gets help. So, so I'm just sticking. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. All right, back to this. We'll flesh that out more clearly in just a moment. So the word transform comes from the word morph, morphe, the Greek root morphe. This is different from the Greek word schema. Schema, again, is a structural plan that is put, uh, that is used to put to, as, a, as an external guide that conforms something. It's outside in. The word morphe is always used inside out. Last week we talked about World Changers 101. This week I'm talking to you about how you can change you. How do you get to be the person you've dreamt to be? How do you get to be King Kong the gorilla that you know is living on the inside of you? Listen, I will tell you, I've been wrestling with this in these days because I am so, so excited about the season that we're living in. I'm telling you, I am this close to busting out. I am this close to being the King Kong Tim Cole that he's created me to be. I'm about to become a voice to the nation in the years that lie ahead. I'm, gonna, I'm about to be a world changer extraordinaire. I'm about to step on continents and have governments split and divide, not in a civil war, but in a way where God's cutting off the cancer and freedom actually gets established. I'm about to, I'm about to get all over my King Kong self. Come on. Because I was made to be the head and not the tail. I was given a command and a mission by Jesus to go make disciples of nations. And if I can't disciple myself, how in the world am I ever going to disciple a nation? And you understand what I'm talking about. I'm risking language because we've, we've spent so many years now uncovering this law-based performance grid. When I talk about uh, discipling myself, I know, please understand, those of you who have been, been with us along the journey very long, Understand, I'm not talking about me working it out. I'm not talking about me doing it myself. I'm not talking about me just pulling the lever and being that little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. You can think all the day long and you will never be different. But because God has put a deposit of heaven on the inside of you, when he shows up, there's agreement and now you can partner for change. Now you can become morphe. You can become transformed from the inside out. The way God does this, there is no pressure on the outside. God does not use peer pressure. I've got two again. They're down to one. Thank you, Jesus. He keeps reminding me my, my wife would be so proud. She's not even in the room. But she might look at this as fate book. So I'm, it's just for you, baby. I got one. God's not using peer pressure to try to conform you. Matter of fact, there are three biblical processes that are righteous in, in conforming us. Let me give them real, real quick. We are, first of all, we're conformed in Romans chapter 8. We're conformed to the image of Christ. That's Romans chapter 8. 
God is going to conform us to the image of Christ. Do you realize that you don't have anything to do in that process? The, con- the conforming process is from the outside in. God takes ownership of presenting you. Didn't he say in Philippians he's going to be faithful to complete that which he started in you? That's his role, not yours. So God is going to conform you to the image of Christ. Secondly, Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, I want to, be the, I want to have not only the knowledge of God and the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship of his suffering. Why? So that I can be conformed to the death of Christ. So we've got the image of Christ. God's going to conform us to the image. God's going to conform us to the death of Christ. How many of you know when you say yes to Jesus and you're baptized, Romans 6, 1 and 2 tells us, when you are baptized, you are baptized with him into his death. God conforms you to the death of Jesus. What does that mean? You're actually dead. That's how you can be a new creature. That's how you can actually be a new guy or a new gal in God. That's how those old desires, they don't belong to you anymore. Yeah, they may still be there because there's grooves. that it, The old nature's dead, but the grooves are still left. The way, the, the way we've always thought is still there. So we, we think the same thought and think, oh, that means I'm still alive. No, the groove is still there, and transformation is all about us changing the groove now. The old man has died. It's dead because God conforms us to the death of Christ. And the third thing that God does to conform us that we don't have any part of, he conforms us to the body of Christ. Now, specifically, this is also in Philippians 3. Paul said, he's going to conform us to to the glorious body of the resurrected Jesus. So what's he talking about? In that day when I close my eyes for the last time, if it's before Jesus comes to rescue and to make all things under his feet in a final way, if in the day I die, guess what's going to happen? God, I don't do anything in this at all. God's going to transform this body into the glorious body that Jesus had and has. In other words, I'm going to have a heavenly body, and he's going to conform this earthly body to that. These are the three conforming processes that happen to us by God. We don't have anything to do with those. We've got to, we've got to embrace the conforming of God and get out of the conforming of the enemy so that we can be transformed. We can be living now from the inside out. <clears throat> First thing in transformation is we need to recognize that the inside job is finished. It's not our job to change ourselves. It's our job to partner with the change that's already happened on the inside of us. <clears throat> that's a big difference. It's a big difference. When you and I do not understand the truth, we are not set free. That also was really good, Tim. That was so good. need to say it again. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and it will set you free. But the opposite is also true. If we misunderstand the truth and believe it to be something that it's not, we will not have freedom in our lives. If we don't understand that we are actually new on the inside and those thoughts that I just had that I can even recognize in myself and my conscience tells me that wasn't a good thought, if I can't detach that thought from my identity, if I still believe that's coming from me, I will never get free of the actions that are attached to that thought. I will live in addiction. I'm helping somebody this morning. 
I want to tell you the one-step program. I'm not anti a process. God took His Son through 40 days of process in the wilderness. I'm not anti a 12-step program, but let me tell you the one-step. Believe in Jesus and understand that that new man is on the inside of you and everything else that comes out of it is actually not you anymore. It's the old nature groove that's left over. And your responsibility is to partner with God so that groove gets transformed. Come on. So we, we, we've got to recognize that the, the inside job is finished. Ephesians 2, 1 says, you ha- He has made alive who were dead. <laughs> the transaction's already happened. You were dead, now you be alive. Thank you, Jesus. You're not alive and dead at the same time. You are alive in Christ. This internal agreement, Second uh, Corinthians 5, that we read about new creatures on the inside. Old things have passed away, past tense. Behold, all things are new. This internal agreement God gifted us with is to unlock the power of change through repentance. I'll explain it more as we get... We've got a couple more things to talk about. Number two. So first of all, for transformation to take place in our lives, for us to be morphed, meta, go through the metamorphosis, to have not the external pressure of the law conform us, it'll never work that way, but to have the internal new man that God put inside of us find agreement with an encounter of revelational proportions of who God is that are all around us, including in nature itself, Romans 1. When we encounter God it confirms the new man that's on the inside of us, and that agreement releases the power of transformation. Second thing we need to do is recognize that our minds need change in this process. Um, by the way, I should, I should say, let me just put a couple things. How are we transformed? Uh, we're transformed by uh, what we think, and that's Ephesians 4. We're going to read that in just a moment. We're transformed by what we think, Ephesians 4, we're, and then we're transformed by what we see. That's 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 3, from glory to glory. Beholding Him. We're transformed into the image of what we're beholding. So we're transformed, morphe happens in our lives when we think the right thoughts. This is not a law-based thought. I'm going to talk to you about how we do this. But we're going to think the right thought. And when we think the right thought, our actions change because Proverbs 23, 7 tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So when we change the way we think, our thought process is not our new man. Our new man is our spirit. But we live, our spirit lives in a body that has a soul. And what's in your soul? Mind, will, and emotions. We need to change our soul to be conformed to the schema of God. How do we do that? Well, that's where law came in, and law couldn't do it. The schema of God is external from us. It's to show us who God is. We can see the reflective nature of God in the law, but it won't transform you. Because the law did not have the power to change us. But if we begin to think a a God thought because we have encountered God and it agrees with the new man that's already on the inside of us, now our thoughts change. That's called repentance. And that's where we're going to end this morning. But we're transformed by what we think, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're transformed by what we see. We'll explode that in just a moment. All right, so 
Number one, we recognize that the, in, the inside job has already been finished by Jesus. Number two, we need to recognize that our minds need change. Now, can I erase that? Are you guys all right? Can I erase this? We need, uh, I, yeah, almost feel like Vanna White. I will, I'll, do, I will do a quick Vanna. I apologize for the uh, glare. I'm not really sure how to do this better. I thought about doing a, a presentation and... For the three and a half hours it would have taken me to do the uh, animation, I figured I'm just going to do old school this morning. All right, so I'm going to change and do a little darker color here. Okay, so here, here, here is, uh, here's you and I, right? Put a little smiley face. That's you and I. I know it's you know, a little worse for wear, but, you know, we had a bad week last week. So that's you and I. Here's Jesus, right? And this is, this is an encounter. Our very highest priority and value in this church is encountering God. We believe in encountering God, equipping people, and establishing the kingdom on the planet. But it has to come in that order. You can't establish the kingdom without encountering God. Because Jesus, when he sent his disciples out in Matthew 10, he said, Listen, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and cleanse the lepers. As freely as you have received, then freely give. If you have not received, you cannot give. So... We believe that encountering God is where we receive, right? And when we receive, we have something then we can give. So this is you and I. This is, and this is Jesus, and we were, we were put on the planet to live for encounters, to sniff him out, to find him, to recognize when God is walking in the cool of the day and go grab his hand and walk with him. As he walks with me and he talks with Come on, a little blast from the past. He tells me I am his own. All right, here we are, a different color. Guess what? We've been made new creations. God, when we said yes to him, put himself in us. I just, oh my God, think about this, think about this. Ephesians 1 tells us that we are in Christ. I can't even tell you how many times I've lost count. We are in Christ. But it also tells us that he is in us. Let it blow your mind, because that's the only way you're about to be transformed. God put himself on the inside of you. The infinite God, who has no boundaries and no impossibilities, put himself on the inside of you. Now, that's significant, because if you're like me, I have recognized most of my life, I have a lot of impossibilities, and I am full of boundaries. I am totally finite. There are things I can't do. As a matter of fact, at 51, there are a lot more things I can't do than when I was 20. I'm finding that out too. Help me, Jesus. He put himself on the inside of us. We have become new creatures. We've already talked about that. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We've got to recognize that our minds need changed. Because here, our minds, our will, and our emotions... What is that? Our soul. Our soul has been shaped by an old nature. It had to back to the other screen, if we can flip back, just, you know. It has been conformed. Our soul grew up being conformed to the wrong system. So when we got born again, God didn't just change our soul. He put himself in our spirits. So that which was dead, Ephesians 2, 1... 
You who were dead in your trespasses and sins, hath he made alive in Christ Jesus. The thing that was dead was your spirit. Your soul never died. Your spirit died with Adam in the garden. So our spirit was dead. And when we came alive again, our spirits are alive. And we've been given a new creature on the inside of us called the new man. It just, it, the new man inside of you looks exactly like your father. But the soul has been conformed to the wrong image. So I, we've got the soul over here. Here's our soul. It's over here. Our soul is off to the side. It's not in alignment. The kingdom of God is functioning well. And I've got the new man on the inside of me. How many of you felt like at, a day or two have gone by where you've been a little disjointed? You know, like you know what you think you ought to be thinking, but you're still thinking this over here. You know what you ought to be feeling because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, I say rejoice. This is the will of God. We know all the scriptures, but knowing the scripture does not conform our mind, our will, and our emotions into alignment, into the agreement that comes with our new nature and the presence of God. It takes more than, than knowing the word. It takes an encounter with Jesus through the word. You can know the word and be puffed up in knowledge. You could, I got three again. In Jesus' name, I'm almost rebuking myself. You can know the word and be puffed up in yourself and you're full of law. And it doesn't help you and it helps nobody around you. It, all it does is encase you in more bars. Prison. So our mind, will, and emotions are over here. They've been conformed to the old man. And now what we need to do is learn how to partner with God in this transformation process. We, we now recognize that we're, we're not, God's not pressuring us. There's no law that's being clamped around us, and it, it, it can't change us from the outside in. We are now being transformed. How do we get transformed? Please tell me. I'm so glad you asked. We get transformed when we're able to pull our mind, will, and emotions in line with the presence of God outside of us and the presence of God inside of us. Somebody's excited i got one or two people going, well, maybe there's some truth there. I'm not really sure. Where's this guy going? We, we're hesitant. Why? Because we've never heard this stuff. Are you kidding me? This is Bible 101. This is New Testament theology. We have no idea how much traditionalism has entered the church, how much the church has been conformed to this system, the schema of this world. And we get people saved who bring them in and, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And, boy, if you don't do that, you're going to be careful because, you know, you're going to be in and out, in and out, in and out. And you know, need to come to the altar next week because you probably lost your salvation. And God's not really happy with you. Are you kidding me? How do we get transformed? We need to pull our soul out of the conforming to the old nature the conforming to the world system, Romans 2, into alignment with the presence of God outside of us and the presence of God inside of us. And the moment there is alignment and agreement, guess what happens? The power of God in Christ explodes on the scene of our lives. You know what happens? Sin falls off of your life. Addiction is gone. Why? Not because you think you could, you thought you could, you might have wanted to. I don't even know if I want to, but I'm trying to because there's all this pressure on the outside of me. How do you get changed? I want to tell you, you get changed when you pull your mind in congruency with the presence of God outside and the presence of God inside. And the release of the kingdom of God is so powerful, literally sin falls off your life. Why? 
because my mind changed. My, my, the lust of my flesh, that emotional man, that, that thing on the inside of me that's twisted. Matter of fact, I've got to turn there and read this to you. Ephesians chapter 2. Man, I, the scriptures have just come alive in me in this season. They've always been alive in me, but there's, there's such a, I, there's a different anointing that I'm walking in. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you have the made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2. In which you walked, once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also you were once conducted yourself in the lust of the flesh. Listen to this. Fulfilling the desires, that emotional pull, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. See, we can't extricate our will from the desire of our mind and our emotional man that's been conformed to the world. We can't do that on our own. That's why you can't will yourself to change. But what you can do is recognize what he's already done. He's put a new man. He's put himself in me. And then you can seek out encounters. That when those encounters happen, now I have agreement. I've got agreement between what he put in me and what has now become my experience of him. And that agreement allows me the opportunity, the privilege to reset my will. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. You can reset your will. You can... You can cause yourself to walk in freedom just simply by acknowledging the encounters that God wants to have for you and giving yourself to them. Oh, but you know that worship thing? I don't really get it. You know, I'm a, I'm a cerebral kind of left brain kind of guy. You know, there's touchy-feely people. I'll just leave those worship things to them. Are you kidding me? Then you will always live with your mind, will, and emotions still conformed. Why? Because David took off his robes and says, I'll become more undignified than this. Why? Because there's only one thing that I love, and I love more than anything else, and it's the presence of God. Why? Because he knew there was stuff wrong on the inside of him. He knew he was carrying things that did not line up with, creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Restore a right spirit in me. Where is that ever going to happen? David understood it's only coming when I encounter God. Jacob at Jabbok, the guy had been a supplanter all his life. You don't, you don't think he knew who he was? He knew he was because when he was mo- moving back to meet his brother Esau, the guy who he swindled twice, when he was on his way back, he, this guy Jacob knew on the inside he knew who he was. That's why he trembled in his boots the day before he was meeting Esau. Send him some gifts. Oh, no, no, that's not enough. Send him some more gifts. Send him some more gifts, please. I want him, I want him as happy as he can be when he sees me because I did him a lot of wrong. He knew who he was. And in that night at the book, Brook Jabbok, in one encounter with God, the supplanter became a prince with God. He was a King Kong on the inside. He knew who he was all along. He recognized the greatness. But because of the twist, all that he could live out was a king nothing, a king abuser, a king distorter, a king that took advantage of other people, but in one encounter with God that he was willing to give himself to. The outside revelation of who God was lined up with the inside, and guess what? The things that were distorted were brought back into alignment in Jacob. Now Jacob walked as the prince of God that he always knew he was, but he couldn't find a way to let out. 
Come on. I'm helping you. This is the process of biblical transformation. They walked in Ephesians 4. Let me just read a couple verses to you. Uh, verses 17 through 24. This I say, Paul said, Therefore, and testify the Lord. I apologize, I'm rushing because I know I, I don't want to keep you too long. He said, I'm telling you and I testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk in, like the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, that's a great statement. And it's said in a lot of churches, almost every church, almost every Sunday. Don't do the stuff. How does that help you? Got two again. I'm going to drop them. How does that help you to hear, don't do this stuff, until you know how to not do this stuff? All it does is heap condemnation. And Paul, in Romans 8, said there's no more condemnation. So how can I live outside of condemnation and actually not do this stuff? Paul's about to tell us. He says, they don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. We've got to recognize, we've got to change the way we think. Having their understandings darkened, being alienated from God. Skip down to verse 24, or 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you, and that you then put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we've got to, we've got to realize that our minds, will, and emotion have been conformed to the world. Step two. Step one. Recognize what really has done, been done on the inside. It's actually true. Step two, recognize that your mind, will, and emotions aren't congruent with that thing that God put on the inside of you. And it's your job to partner with Holy Spirit to pull them into alignment. Recognize that your thoughts need to change. Step number three, encounter Jesus. The real question is, okay, how do I renew my mind? Remember the, the, the other, other, other slide, the other board? Conform, transform. Above transform are two words. Remember what they were? It wasn't too long ago. I hope somebody remembers. Two words. One starts with a T and ends with a K and has an H-I-N in the middle. Think. One starts with an S and has an E on the other end and has an E in the middle. And it's So we're changed by what we think and we're changed by what we see. Paul says, you've got to renew your mind. It's the place where you think your thoughts. It's where you think about yourself, what you think about yourself. You know those words a second that go through your mind, the self-talk. I don't know how they measure that. I'm just pausing for a moment. I'm not really sure what meter they use to measure how many words that just went through my brain in a second, but somehow they do. I don't know. But it's that self-talk that defines us. And what we think about us today will be what we act out tomorrow. So if I think that all the new, new creatures on the inside of me, but I'm not able to live it out. So if I think for a moment in doubt that I might not have that new creature in the inside of me, guess what? I can't live out tomorrow. The newness that he made me to live in. If I, if I let the enemy twist that for a moment and don't, don't recognize the separation between the new man on the inside of me and my soul that just simply needs to be conformed back to the image. And if I identify the problems I'm having with internal, really being who I am, I'll never get free. Tomorrow will be the same as yesterday. yesterday. So I recognize that my mind needs uh, renewed. And how do I do that? I I have to encounter God. People always go to Ephesians here 4 and says, listen, we need to be renewed in the spirit of the mind. Then they flip to Ephesians 5 where it says, by the washing of the water of the word, God God the Son, Jesus, conforms. He, he He doesn't conform. He washes us, cleanses us. So we marry those two scriptures and say, well, what's the word that transforms us? I beg to differ. 
I just I want to I make sure we're talking about the right terms here. It's the Word of God incarnate that transforms us, but it's not the Word that every jot and tittle on this page that will transform you. You can memorize this from cover to cover and you will be the same stinking person you were yesterday. Actually a little more stinky because now you know you memorized the Word and you got all that, so <laughs> the poor slob beside you didn't even do that. Hear the pride coming out of me now, right? The page, black and white, will not transform you. But when you get in here and find the incarnate word, when you get in here and the word, John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When you look at this page, yes, so it's the word, absolutely. But it's the word of God, the son of God, that we look for in these pages. And he comes. And when we have an encounter with him, when we have an encounter with him through the word, we now have the witness of the external presence of God confirming what the internal presence of God is also telling us. Now we've got agreement. Why is that so important to encounter him? You, you, need, to, you need to be confronted with a thought that isn't the kind of thoughts you've been thinking all along. You and I need to actually be confronted with the thought that will make us look back at ourselves and say, hmm, that's not the thought I was thinking. <laughs> little help for those of you who might not really be up to speed with what I just said. One of these things is not like the other. Come on. This week, I, I ooh, got a lot more white showing there. This is OCD on me is like, okay, let's see, white and white. Let's try to match it up there. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm back here. Oh, wait, I'll feel better if I do one of these. Okay. One of these things is not like the other. This past week, uh, two weeks ago, I started having pain in my, my leg, my knee. Been doing this Cal Stuff 5K, been so excited. I've never been a runner. I'm still not a runner, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking more and more like I might survive the 5K. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. Surviving is great. That's my goal. But my knee started hurting, and I had to stop running. It's still hurting today. But here's what I want to say this is how subtle this is. The old groove, the old groove says, well, you're 51. It's probably, you know, you just got to put up some pain in your body. That's just natural thought. That's what everybody around me... That's the schema that conformed my soul all these 51 years without me really understanding, even though 40 of them have been saved, even though 40 of them I've got the new man, I'm still thinking thoughts that are conformed by the schema of the world. Well, I, you know, you just got to... You know, Tim, you know, what do you, what do you expect? You're 51 years old. You know, you just got to have to give us some time and heal. It took me about 12 days of that. And finally, I'm doing a little walk... And something, I mean, just, I had a little corner. I might have missed it. I, 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 it was, there, was no, there was no fire in cloven tongues. There was no wind. I'm just walking around my neighborhood. That would look stupid. Freaked everybody out if God would have done that. So he didn't do that. I might have missed the fact that this was an encounter with God, but I was confronted with a thought that I went, hmm, that sounds like you, Lord. You know what he said to me? What are you putting up with that for? This is how subtle this works in us. This isn't just about sin that so easily besets us. I wasn't talking about pornography. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't clicking on things I shouldn't have clicked on. I'm just putting up with a little pain in my body. And I heard the voice of God and I knew it. Was, I think that, I recognize that voice. That's God. What are you putting up with that for? He wasn't conforming me. It wasn't a pressure going, Tim, you're so wrong. 
change yourself. He just said, Tim, what are you putting up with that for? And you know when he did, you know what happened? It activated this, the new man that was on the inside of me. It's been on the inside of me all along, and I don't want to feel pain, but I've been conformed, and I don't even know that I've been conformed, and so I've been putting up emotionally with the carrying this little thing. I'm straight my leg. Oh, I can't get on my couch. Couch. Oh, now I'm telling my true colors. Can't do my couch. Couch to 5K run today. Oh. Not that I needed an excuse. I wasn't looking for an excuse. But when God said that to me, it activated the new man on the inside of me that was already agreeing with him. And for the first time, I recognized that I needed to repent. For the first time, I re- what is repentance? Repentance is when I change my thought to conform to his thought. When, conform, wrong word. When I, change, when I choose to put his thought into my brain and act like it's mine. When I get to think the thoughts of God for me, it's a choice, people. Repentance, we, we, we got it so messed up in the church. We, we, we read the passage that says godly sorrow leads to repentance. And it does. But godly sorrow is not repentance. You being sorry that you clicked on the pornography thing on the computer last night is not repentance. The only way you'll get free from pornography is to recognize that there's a new man living on the inside of you. Have an encounter with Jesus and let him talk to you about what that girl that you've been looking at in the wrong way actually is feeling right now. Let him talk to you about how he values that woman on that screen. Let him begin to talk to you a little bit. And now all of a sudden you're confronted with a discrepancy between what his thoughts and my thoughts. Now I get a choice and that's the only time when repentance is actually possible. You don't come to an altar feeling sorry for what you did and call that repentance. Godly sorrow is profitable because it leads us. It's a partner to motivate us to want to have an encounter with God so that I can think a thought that I've never thought before. And when I can think a thought I've never thought, I'm walking along and and the Holy Spirit said to me, what are you putting up with that for? The God, the DNA of God on the inside and the new man rose up and, yeah, what am I putting up for that for? You know what? Immediately, I didn't, repentance is this quick. You don't have to wait and wallow. Oh, God, I'm so bad. I did that for 12 days. What's wrong with me, God? That's what most of the church does. And it's no wonder the enemy walks all over us because we're always down beating ourselves up. In a moment, I didn't think about it. I didn't process it. The God in me rose up in the name of Jesus. Pain, you get out of my body. I refuse to put up with you anymore. Guess what just happened in my, in my, my man? I just repented. It wasn't some big ordeal where I, whoa, God! Repentance is, is when I've heard the thought of God in my spirit and it agrees with what's on the inside of me and that agreement releases the power to change. And now my mind and my emotions come into a line to a brand new set free will on the inside of me. I engage God and said, no more! This thing does not belong to me. I don't care how small it is. There are people... See, this is what we do. This is what I do. Maybe not you. This is what I do. I, I, I keep kind of... I keep, well, you know, my problem is not as bad as... I mean, I deal with a lot of people's problems. They're bad. You know what I'm saying? Some of you all have some, some stuff going on. You know, got this wife leaving over here and there's the kids breaking up and somebody's committed suicide. All this stuff going on all over the planet. And I look at my, my knee having a little pain and I go, well, you know... I I shouldn't be, you know, I just, I've been conformed to the wrong world. 
And all I had to do is hear the sound of heaven and have an encounter with God and hear his thought. And immediately the Spirit of God inside of me in the new man agreed with that. And I was able to change in a moment. That's what real repentance is. That's how you and I become transformed into the image of God. That's how we learn to prove what is that good and acceptable, that holy will of God. This is how you change you. Have an encounter with Jesus and then repent. This isn't plagiarism. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I should, I'll rephrase it. This is actually Holy Ghost sanctioned plagiarism. He wants you to take his thought and take credit for it. Because if you never take his thought and put it in your brain and take credit for it being your thought, you'll never change. True. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts. That's not an excuse to not think his thought. That's a, that's a reality check that if I want to think his thoughts, I'm going to have to let go of my thoughts. You came back for this holy, somber service. By the way, let's just celebrate the newlywed couple on the front row. Thank you, Jesus. So grateful to have them this weekend. But there's a King Kong on the inside of you. There's a spiritual giant on the inside of you. We walk through our lives on this side of eternity... And we're so aware of the size of the Goliaths around us. And the enemy has conformed us in the way we think about the world and about ourselves to the point where even if we believe that there's a giant on the inside, we've chained him up and we've agreed to never use our giantness for the king's sake. But there's a giant on the inside of you. There's a world changer on the inside of you. I submit to you that before you, ha you have the right and privilege to walk out these doors and change the world, you have the responsibility to change you. Partner with the new man on the inside of you. Go searching for an encounter with God. Find the agreement between the two and it will cause your will to be free and your mind and your emotions will follow. And when all of that is in alignment, guess what happens? As a man thinks in his heart, it is so easy to look like my daddy. When I'm dead, it's easy. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm carrying that old dead man alive, uh, trying to resurrect him every day, it's not easy. Now I'm fighting myself every step of the way. I want you to be transformed. I want you to be living the life that you've always dreamt about. I want you to know that it's not only a, a, a hope on the inside of you, it's not a carrot that God has etern from eternity outside of time put in front of you just to try to get you to eke along another day and do a little bit more. That's, there's not a, there, God is not that mean. He's not, not a, who he is at all. He does not try to just lead you on and not give you what he promised. He promised you transformation. And listen, I'm going to tell you, 
when the world around you can see that there's actually real change going on inside of you, they will look at you. They may look at you cross-eyed when you say God did that, but they will look at you and they'll listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Now there's, a, there's an opportunity for the kingdom to come into their lives and direct them for what they believe to be normal. Stand with me. Well, there's a mummy that's been wrapped. I'm just trying to debrief from our little chat today. There's a mummy that's been wrapped in blue grave cloth. And he's got a dollar sign or something above his head. I'm not really sure. what. Hopefully you got something out of that today. World Changers 101 are effective changing the world because they found the secret for changing themselves. It's partnering with the kingdom of God, having an encounter, letting agreement between what he's put in you and what you've just encountered crystallize into repentance. And everything about you that you've wanted to change, tried to change, and couldn't change will just be changed you'll be transformed into the image and likeness of the one that you love. Father, I thank you for the power of transformation. I thank you that the gospel of Jesus is a better covenant than the covenant of law. I thank you that the good news is is that there, there is actually real hope that our tomorrow will be different than our today. That the struggles that we have woken up with this morning that we, the sins that so easily beset us, the chains that have wrapped us, the largeness of you on the inside of us, the chains that have confined us, the promise of the gospel of Jesus is yea and amen, and it's true. We actually have the potential today to walk out of those chains. The choice really becomes ours. When we know the truth, the truth can set us free. And today, Holy Spirit... We give ourselves to you to help us know the truth of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus that brings with it not only a cancellation of sin, but the power of transformation this side of eternity. I thank you. We thank you for the privilege of representing you on this planet. And it's our heart, our desire, not out of condemnation, not out of a, a, a push or a pull or a pressure on the outside, but out of a desire from that new man you put on the inside of us. It's our real desire, Lord, to represent you accurately. We want the people around us to see and taste the Lord is good, to know that you love them the way we've experienced and encountered your love for ourselves. So, Lord, as a body, we give you permission to lead us into repentance. This right now in, in your life, between you and God. This is not the time of the service where there's heavy-handed pressure put on you. This is just your, your choice between you and God. Invite him to come so that you can encounter him. Be confronted with how he thinks so that your new man can agree with how he thinks and you can actually have an opportunity for real change. I've got things right now, there, there's a list floating in my mind. I, I'm visual, I can see this list. 
There are things that I, I'm not happy with. There are things that I know I'm not living up to my potential. There are things that I've been carrying around that are, that are still things that are twisted. I've got, a, I've got this list, and I, you may have your list. I just encourage you to take your list and offer it to the Lord as a living sacrifice. You're not rejected because of those things. He has accepted you because of the blood of Jesus. Those things don't disqualify you. Don't, don't, don't cower in shame when you bring it to him. He knows all those things and he still loves you anyway. But here's the power of transformation. Understand how the love with which he has loved you with. And understand that he is inviting you to bring the list. He's asking you. He's wanting to come and bring encounters to you so that he can unlock for you his mind in those areas and cause the agreement of your new man to release the power of transformation for you. So here's our list, Lord. There's things that are in our closets that we don't want to carry anymore. We invite you to confront those thoughts through encounters with us so that we can take up our spiritual weapons that Paul said are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, pulling down strongholds and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Thank you, Father, for the power of transformation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Uh